In the dark days of December 2020, I, like many people, was burnt out. It was cold, I missed my family thousands of miles away. I was in the middle of nowhere, displaced, unsettled. So when an offer to join a creative quest came across one of my many screens, I surprised myself by signing up. This episode is about curiosity, bravery, creativity, and permission. It's about what happens when you invite a bunch of strangers to go on an adventure with you, and about the creative soul who led the way. Sam Furness calls himself a parallel partha. He works as a manager in the music industry, and since 2016 has been on a variety of explorations outside of his day-to-day work to expand his creative consciousness. In 2017, he founded Channel 12 to house all of these projects. Starting in January of 2021, so a month ago, Sam started running an experiment of sorts, a creative quest which asked people from around the world to join in a process of creative exploration, theme unknown until the day before the adventure started. And I was a part of that first group. The quest was totally unexpected and all the more wonderful for it. I wanted to bring Sam on the podcast because his outlook and his energy is something we all need a lot more of, especially for many of us when we're looking at nearly a year of varying levels of lockdown. We're stressed, we're anxious, there's been a lot of loneliness, a lot of frustration, a lot of feeling of a kind of Groundhog Day as we try to convince ourselves that there's a reason to change out of our pajama pants. <laughs> so finding ways to tap into joy, into creativity, anything that doesn't feel like basic survival, you know, initially for me it seemed like a luxury for a different world that didn't exist anymore. And yet, there I was, weekly showing up and hungrily exploring a world of poetry that weeks before I had had kind of little interest in. What I feel Sam brings to creativity is a friendliness and a curiosity that many of us left behind in play school or after having, you know, one too many cutting comments from a from a teacher or friend or parent. So I wanted to share his lovely vibes with all of you, as well as find out more about how we can all make space for joyful and conscious creativity in our everyday lives. Welcome to Storyteller a podcast about how and why we tell stories. I'm your host, Lisa Golden. I love this conversation because I think sometimes there are magical people about who don't kind of know maybe sometimes how magical they are, which of course makes them all the more magical. I think Sam's one of these people if you haven't picked that up yet. And before we get rolling, I just want to say to anyone who's new here, welcome. And if you could subscribe to the podcast, that's the best way you can support the show. Um, I, I mean, I love it. I love it when you guys get in touch with me on social media. It means so much to me. I love it. And I think, you know, if, if subscribing um, or rating and reviewing isn't your thing, the best thing you can do for me is maybe share this with someone who you think will enjoy it. That's the most exciting thing for me. If you feel like doing that, that's a really great way you can support the show. So, but mostly just thank you always for your support and your thoughts and your emails and your tweets and your Instagram messages. I I love them. So now onto my conversation with Sam.
First question I always ask everyone who comes on the podcast is if you consider yourself a storyteller. Mm, yeah, for sure. For sure. No, no, I, I would say I do in lots of different ways. Definitely not in a sort of traditional sense, although I'm sh- don't know. Is there a traditional sense for storytelling? I don't know. But yeah, I would <laughs> say so. My background's in contemporary theatre. Like I grew okay. I grew up, you know, being like act, actor boy from a very young age. Those are like my earliest, earliest kind of memories of doing something that I really loved. Yeah, just all I was, you know, always doing plays at school and outside of school and stuff like that. And it was definitely like my thing. So I think the sort of the culture of storytelling was like embedded in my life from a very young age. Both my parents are musicians, so music and songs were always a, a big thing. So I guess like through music and theatre, I've definitely always been around storytelling. Mm. Um and then I guess mid-teens started writing my own music and that's when I guess I started to really start thinking about the things that I wanted to say that were important to me at that time. Interesting. Yeah, and that I think that sense of realising that, yeah, the sort of the catharsis of of telling your story and knowing when you've told your story well, certainly through songwriting, became something that I really, really, like, that became my thing probably more so in theatre even though that I went and studied that at university but like I often think of storytelling as just like some stories have to be heard as in like for the people that are hearing them but some stories just need to be told for the teller just to get them out of their system you know like that's I say I'd existed on the sort of like I just felt like I needed to tell stories by writing music or doing theatre stuff just for the sort of catharsis and like release of those stories not just being mine anymore because they've been shared. Yeah. It's really interesting that you say both your parents were musicians because that's such a, I always find that really interesting from from that. Do you feel like there's a creative permission that comes with that when it's in your household? Because like, you know, you, there's so many people that I speak to who have the very strong, like, I was supposed to be a lawyer and then it took me this really long time to get around to the fact that I could express myself in these different ways. So do you think there was like a permission there or just like a naturalness to having that in your household? Definitely. It's all of my family are, are creative, curious people in in one way, shape, or form. Deep, deep appreciation of of the arts. So, yeah, there was never any like I can't have seen another way. Like it, it, I think it would be strange if yeah. like, my sister's a creative person too. Like I, it would be quite odd if if neither of us were kind of into that kind of thing because it was just around us constantly. Grandparents, you know, mum and dad, and uncles aunties all makers and in some way shape or form all very quite different though that's so cool yeah that's so cool I love hearing that because it's just it's so different from my experience so I'm always quite amazed when people grow up in these like really creative worlds they're all people that yeah none of them did it for a profession I think that's pretty important to mark it's like Mm. everyone in my family had careers doing other things but their identity is wrapped up in the things that they that they made and the things the ways that they express themselves i would say i think this is a kind of lovely gift families can give kids like now that i'm thinking about it it's a really powerful force um you know they say it's like not what you say but what you do and i think just watching people 
find ways to express themselves creatively and have it be a part of their identity even if it's not linked to livelihood and career is a really powerful message um that's really i like that so coming from this creative environment sam studied at the university of kent in theater and contemporary performance practice and he told me that while he enjoyed the process of making creative work he was also finding a lot of liberation and fun in being in bands and making music So when the time came to leave university, he was looking at his passions, music and theatre, and realised that he needed to make a decision. When the sort of the end of university came of going like, okay, what comes next? I'm Mm -hmm. like, passions wise, I've got music, I've got theatre. I can't do both because they're both completely unstable career choices. (laughs) I've I've got to put all my my money on one of them rather mm. than split the bet between two and I was like okay I'll give music a go and um that and kind of my theatre journey like in a sort of linear way probably ended literally right as I finished literally as I graduated from uni it was like yeah and I'm done with that <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and, and yeah. clear and seen um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly and um so that was odd, but I guess that's not an uncommon story for a lot of people. The things they study at uni, they're like, ah, <laughs> it's taken me three years and a, and a lot of debt, but I think I've made peace with that part of my <laughs> life now. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I kind of went into music and yeah, did all the things that young bands have to do to try and make it work. Doing temp jobs, internships in various places, all whilst, you know, traveling across the country to rehearse and do shows and all that jazz. And yeah, I did that for a few years and eventually kind of had to live up to the, you know, the fact that it it wasn't going to happen then and everybody was getting jobs and whatever. So that music part of my life finished there too. And I, I think my relationship with creativity at that point was, my creative ego was pretty damaged, I have to say. Um, mm. I think I could see, and my creative confidence for sure, you know, because I think you see all of your friends that maybe aren't doing the slightly less, that aren't doing the less linear career paths that maybe are more, there's more of, I don't know, a ladder to like how you progress through certain careers, like maybe in PR or marketing or law or whatever, whatever it is you do. Lots of my friends were on that path and I was not. And that can't help make you feel that you're getting a little bit left behind mm. when you're still living at home, like on job seekers allowance and, and you're sort of, yeah, trying to do the odd, you're trying to do an internship here, internship there, not hearing back from all the creative companies that you applied to jobs for. And meanwhile, all your friends are like earning, you know, their first salaries and can go out for drinks in London. It's like, it's hard not for that, not to knock your confidence yeah. And I think I really honestly began to kind of resent the fact that I was, that this is where my, my creative passions had led me. Mm, Okay. I was just like, fuck, like this sucks. Like this thing, these things that I love have led me to this point where I feel like I backed myself into a corner. Yeah. And through that, I, just started looking I, I knew I wanted to work in the creative industries but I was like maybe you just you know you're gonna have to just be a behind the scenes person I say 
I don't want to say just because that sounds like I'm completely degrading all the amazing work that people do behind the scenes in, in the creative industries. I'm not, but it felt at the time it felt like that. It felt like I was giving up. Mm. And um, so that, so I started looking more behind the scenes roles in, in music and ended up at a great company called Everybody's Management as a junior assistant, uh, like junior management kind of assistant and the PA to my boss. And yeah, Everybody's at the time managed big, big acts, Mumford and Sons, Laura Marling, Keem, still work with them. And I've worked with a bunch of other bands since. And that was great. It was kind of like I've gone from, you know, being at home, not doing a great deal, feeling quite creatively frustrated, suddenly being like deep in like big production, creative worlds, festivals and shows and immersive performances and all the all the stuff that you know you expect from working with big music artists sam described to me how much he learned about the level of collaboration and work that goes into the music industry and all the different you know moving parts of it and while he was enjoying the work he told me about how the desire to create started creeping back up again I think it was only really like three, four years in to being a manager, three years that I felt quite comfortable in where I was at. I felt like I was getting better at it. And, but with that sense of feeling a bit more comfortable became this also like growing unease that something wasn't right. And it took me a long time to work out what that sort of like niggling feeling inside me that was like you have this great job you do all this cool stuff but for some reason you're still not satisfied and I was really confused for a while where that was coming from because I kind of felt like I had it made Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying I was living like the life of a king or anything I totally wasn't I was definitely but but I was happy I was really happy yeah (laughs) um in where I was then and um it kind of hit me like a ton of bricks like maybe halfway midway three quarters of the way through 2015 that like I still considered myself to be this creative person with loads of ideas and whatever but all the people that I've met in the music industry and some people that were like really really close friends of mine that I'd met in the years after starting at everybody's management they had no idea that I had a creative identity yeah like I remember vividly a conversation with with my friend Gilbert where like I said something about like we'd been friends for maybe a year, year and a half. And I said something about like how I used, how I'd like was in bands or I was like in the theater. And I remember him saying like, Oh, I didn't know you were creative. And it was like, it was like my ego just like <laughs> died a death in front of me. <laughs> Cause I was like, what, what the hell? I was like, this guy's a really mm. close friend of mine. Like we've been friends for like a year and a half and I thought I mm. wore that on my skin, but yeah. he didn't know that. And it was this kind of really big realization moment that, yeah, God, that, that maybe, I don't know, maybe you're only as creative as you actually sort of do and act. And I realized there was a lot of thinking and a lot of sort of like, I don't know, yeah, ego attached to my creative persona, but I wasn't yeah. living it at all. I wasn't making anything. I wasn't expressing myself in any way. I was just kind of, I just wore it as this sort of like personal, I don't know, bad, 
it was it was very strange anyway it made me realize that something needed to change yeah i find that so interesting that you say that and that you specifically use the word ego because actually one of the things that i found so interesting about you initially and in the quest is that you 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 do come sometimes you come across as quite egoless about about the the spaces that you're creating which i understand is like a different thing from mm. from your own creative pursuits so it's just really interesting that that's like the wording that you use there so yeah. You, because then that's, I guess that leads us up to 12 by 16, because yeah. like you yeah. said, instead of the thinking, 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 you sort of engineered a way for you mm. to push through and make and do and quite visibly. So could you tell tell us a bit about um, yeah. like the origins of that project and, and a little bit of like what it was like to do? Um, so yeah, end of 2015, feeling a bit yeah a bit directionless on the creative front realizing that i have to get this i have to get this part of me back that's what makes me me that's what makes me feel good feel happy and the longer i'm going without this some sort of creativity in my life it's making me unhappy because all of that stuff that life throws at you that you that i was used to up until that point always having the tap for it to come out of whether it was music or it was theater it was a constant like life happens you work through the stuff and then you express it in musical theater that was like my whole life up until i stopped making stuff and then you know when you when you turn the tap off and there's still loads of water and stuff like pumping into it like Mm -hmm. there's going to be an issue at some point um you know something's going to give um so i had to find a way to turn the tap back on and I didn't really want to go back to musical theatre because it just didn't, there was a reason that I hadn't been doing those things for three years. Um, so I thought, well, what do I do? Like what, those are the ways that I know how to express myself. Those are the, my, my, my things. I was 26 at the time and just kind of had a small epiphany one day that was like, maybe you're not, like haven't discovered the other things yet, or maybe you're not, you don't even know the other things that you might be good at or, you know, or like, even like. And um, so I just set myself a challenge for a year to explore a different type of creativity each month. Yeah, January through to December. And it started out as quite a, uh, I often use the word naive and I really do mean that because it was just a, it was just a very, very small fun little side project experiment for me to do that just was like gave a bit of structure was a way for me to just basically like pick and mix between different types of creativity in the hope that I find something that stuck and after the first uh, probably yeah halfway through the first month three quarters of the way through it the theme was origami I suddenly realized that it had way more potential than just being a kind of like pick and mix experiment. And I, yeah, I quickly noticed that by just putting all of my creative energy in one direction, and there was a lot of creative energy in my system at that point, because it had been building up for three years. I realized that by exploring one thing, that the way that I was moving through London and the type of things that I was coming across, the type of things that I was noticing and finding interesting were changing because of my creative focus that month. Like, you know, I, I expected in a month to 
of exploring origami to basically just learn how to fold a bunch of different paper shapes. But what I ended up exploring was like Japanese culture and like philosophies that, you know, all history and all sorts and like how people use it as a mindfulness practice, all these things that I never, ever would have thought about exploring. Um, and yeah, and went to different paper shops in London and stuff like that. Like I kind of took it on as like an immersive experiment and that set the template for the rest of the year, really, rather than it just be learn a new skill over a month. It became, how does the world around you, how can you make the world around you change? Or how does what you notice around you shift when you sort of change your internal compass? Um, it just became this halfway house between a kind of adventurous lifestyle and a creative process. Cause my, you know, my performance arty maker background kicked in and was like, you have to make something at the end of every month, make something or do something that's like a synthesis of the experience you've had and how that affects not just the way that you make stuff, but the way that you move through the world. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, so that, that will bring us eventually to like, to, to, you decided to found channel 12 after that, right? Like that's where you sort of picked up. Can you explain quickly, like what the concept of channel 12 is? Yeah. Channel 12, it started in 2017 as just, it became just like my umbrella for my creative projects. Uh, Cause I just felt like I, it needed a home that was just more than like my name. Um, yeah. I don't know why I thought that, but it just felt like that's what I needed to do. And, um, yeah, it's, it, it was really just a place to experiment in doing more of these, they weren't called quests at the time. Um, these kind of creative explorations. And so channel 12 was born a home for Sam's creative projects outside of working in the music industry. I did longer, I did quests for longer periods of time for like three months, six months. Um, but always in the back of my mind, I was just like this, cause the thing that was always missing was that I was having was, was, was community. I thought this would be so amazing if there were other people doing this with me at the same time, like all of this stuff that I can learn in one month. Imagine if there was like a whole like, gang of people that were all doing this imagine what our collective intelligence could look like it took me a hell of a long time to work out that for this current version of of channel 12 and the creative quests program like yeah it's been four years trying to work out what creative quests that you know the product that's kind of come out of that the program's come out of that how how it works and you know it's a big experiment at the moment it, i don't think it's by any means it's definitely not finished product and every day is a bit of an adventure at the moment in trying to work it out and yeah um yeah early days well i mean i'd be curious so now if you think if you reflect now right back on how you felt when you started um 12 by 16 compared to how you're feeling now like in like you said in the early phases of, of a new version of i mean i guess you would call it a version of that like an iteration of that totally. um i mean what do you think you've has your has anything changed like is, are there any differences in how you approach your own creativity and yeah yeah i'd love to know what the where the differences lie 
I have never really been a person that has like cataloged my own learning. I wouldn't say like I'd never been like a journaling type person or like written I don't know essays or medium posts on like my process of something like that video that I made at the end of 12 by 16 was probably the closest that I got to that. I've been mm. a very like I've been a very sort of like in the momenty person. And I've always just wanted to get onto the next project. Um, so I never really gave myself much room for reflection. Mm. But in, I think, why it's taken me a bit of time to figure out making Creative Quest a thing is that I ha- it was I realized that if I was going to make this something that other people could be a part of, I need to figure it. I need to figure out what I'm. I need to break down my own process. Like I actually need mm. to like step out myself for a minute and go like, what is the method in this? Because you can, it's very easy. You saying, oh yeah, well, I just improvise my way through all these months and pull threads and go here and go there and just see what happens. But that's not very useful for somebody else. Like it needs mm. a bit more of, of a think kind of thinking behind it. So I guess the last few years I've just been swaying between being patient and quite impatient with understanding what it what my creative process actually is and finding language for it that I can tell to other people and I can so that when I've you know made creative quests it actually has it actually has theory behind it there's references that I can pull out and you know and I can say why I think this is like this and why why you should do things like that um which I think is where storytelling comes into comes into it um i think my performance my performance background and like always trying to work out what it is you're trying to say has fed massively into the way that i've the language that i use in channel 12 the way that i run the sessions the way that i want like the experience to feel on instagram all that stuff like is all is a type of storytelling to me for sure yeah. And that's what where I'd like I think that is an incredible type because I I I I'd be curious to know like if you have a creative theory or like like you said like what has influenced you in around ideas of like holding space because I think that's been a really fascinating part of it is that even inside of your own creative journey there's this other thing happening where you're making space for other people to be really vulnerable to explore to get over their fears to um, you know, so do you think that much about that side of it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like it's really, really important to me that the quest club each month feels like a, feels like a safe space. Sam spoke about how he was influenced by a London event called special guest. The concept is that a group of people come together and anyone who wants can have 60 seconds on the microphone, a minute on the microphone. It's part professional, part storytelling, all hard. Sam spoke about the founder, Matt Weatherall, as a huge influence in how he wanted to create the space for what would become the Channel 12 quests. Um, We're picking up here where Matt had asked Sam to host special guests, the special guest event in Brixton. Through doing special guests, through hosting special guests, it was the first time that I had been back on stage in a long time. Um, Mm. And it really felt like home. Um, And I kind of 
really took my role as in hosting those events quite like seriously because I kind of saw it as like I knew it was going to set up a you wanted yeah I think as the host any host for special guests had a really important role to just like set the vibe in the room that anybody can share anything they like we're only there to support each other and it's not a place to like challenge somebody it's a place just to I think we realized that it became it was actually although it's kind of about one person getting up and speaking for 60 seconds it's actually kind of more about 50 people sitting there and listening (laughs) yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, and when do you get that when do you get that where you just sit in a room and listen to other people's stories for Hmm. mini stories for that for like two hours so I think being involved in special guests and knowing how powerful spaces were um, and the, the capacity that people had for like breaking through barriers and making really, really strong connections with people and collaborating, all of that came out of this like really wonderful, just like vulnerable space that, that Matt had made that the community then kind of just took under its wing. And in making creative quests, I 100% think about that all the time. Like, how do you create these spaces where people feel empowered to be honest and like take risks and step into the unknown? Because essentially that's what Creative Quest is. Like, I'm if I think about Creative Quest as like a commodity, like what is it that I'm selling? Mm. I'm basically just selling people the the possibility in the unknown like that's yeah that that's what i think that's what i think it is anyway i'm like you know people don't know what the themes are when they sign up and i think that takes a lot of a lot of courage to do that <laughs> so yeah i always make sure that i'm just trying to make sure that it's a space that people feel like taking a plunge into the unknown was a was a good risk to take I think this is a really interesting reflection on creating space and creating permission to let your creativity bubble out in unexpected ways. It's important to remember that Sam is doing this exploration and this creative work alongside his job. So it's an approach to life and approach to your own creative spirit that's not like getting side hustle buys. You know, I think that's been such a big thing, especially in lockdown where people's, you know, if you have a hobby, there's kind of like a pressure to turn it, you know, either you're adding like skills to a portfolio or you're doing it for the gram or, you know, you're sort of monetizing it in some kind of way. I think what I really found liberating about Sam's approach is, is that it's driven purely by curiosity and it's not sort of forced into any form. And then because of that, it finds its own form. So I wanted to ask him how we can all infuse the spirit of curiosity into our lives. And Sam told me a little bit about some of the concepts that have inspired him. How do you, how do, how can an average person find this mentality that you have in a, in a normal day? Like what is the, what is the approach for people who want more creative energy in their lives, but feel like they're too busy and they're too overwhelmed and they're completely unstimulated because they're stuck in lockdown? Like, yeah. Well, there's, there's, there's definitely two sort of actual schools of thought, which I've come across in the last, only in the last year. So one of them is this Zen Buddhism concept that I think I only really came across in the last nine months, maybe during lockdown 
called Shoshin, which means beginner's mind. And it's this idea that just perfectly encapsulates how I've come to understand my own creativity and certainly something in Creative Quest is, is this idea of always approaching something with a beginner's outlook because as a beginner, you have no preconceived ideas of what how something should go. If you approach something as an expert, your capacity for learning and for expansion is just like massively, it's like cancelled because mm. you're going in there with being like, well, I know how this works and it's going to work like this. Whereas yeah. if you always come at something with like, but I don't, I don't know, like maybe just stay open to how it could manifest. I think it's a really great philosophy for creativity and just for sort of life, for life in general. It's very difficult to undo our biases. Like, yeah. you know, the, the lives that we've led, the people that we hang out with, the jobs that we do, the music we listen to, the films we watch, like all of the stuff that we surround ourselves with, we become those things. And it's very, very hard to undo that stuff. But, you know, each of us sees the world very, very differently. And I think I've come to find so much inspiration and beauty in that, that I, like, I want to see, I, I want to see the world through somebody else's eyes. Like mm. I want, like, I, because I'm just so fascinated. I'm just like, go, oh, well, you know, I see the world like this, but how does this painter or this writer or this origami artist or this athlete, like, what are they seeing when they walk down the street that I don't see? Yeah. Because yeah. that's just that's just something so amazing and like genuinely magic about knowing that we only see the version of the world that we imprint on the world. Um, mm -hmm. And that there's all this visible, invisible stuff like hiding in plain sight. I know that that stuff is everywhere and you're, you're not going to find ideas by sitting in your room and limiting your beliefs. You're going to find ideas by getting out there and like rubbing up against mm -hmm. things and putting your... Uh, in a metaphorical way, <laughs> not in a, not in a literal <laughs> rubbing yourself up against things in a way. <laughs> Certainly not in times of coronavirus. Don't go rubbing yourself. No, not anymore. That's don't go rubbing yourself on anybody at the moment. <laughs> um, yeah, just getting out yeah. there, getting your hands dirty. There's a wicked um, phrase yeah. that I heard on an innovation podcast, um, which I can't remember the name of now. Uh, muddy, it's called um, Muddy Knees and Epiphanies, which I think is such a cool term. And it's this idea of like, like going <laughs> out, it's so good. Like going out there and like literally getting your knees muddy, like fully immersing yourself in it. And I found that being like, when you really, really throw yourself in there with this open mind and just notice the little things that resonate with you, whether it's something that someone said or like a thing that you've read, like something that's just changed your perspective a little bit. Like I, I call them illuminations as you all know, it's like part of the creative quest mm. kind of process. <laughs> Noticing what these little illuminating moments are when you're out in the world and just taking a note of them. So that's one, I think just, uh, yeah, this, this Shoshin beginner's mind approach to living and creating. And the other one um, is actually an ancient Greek philosophy called eclecticism. And I actually thought that was a word that I had made up. <laughs> I was like trying to find, I was trying to like come up with all of these words to like bed into sort of, I don't know, for the copy on the Channel 12 website or something. And I was trying to be, I really like this word eclectic because it's just, it's, yeah, it just speaks to what Channel 12 is all about, like an eclectic 
you know view of creativity i like call myself an eclectic creative person and and i was like oh what if there's like an i was like eclectivism eclecticism <laughs> and i googled it just to thinking like is it a thing and it turns yeah. out it is it's like a not massively well known but a known ish um yeah kind of a philosophical school of thought um that basically a bunch of you know what it was like kind of back in ancient greek times you had these like very separated the we think this and we think this this is our model for yeah. society this is the way we do things this is how we yeah. make stuff oh we couldn't make stuff like that because it doesn't fit our model and basically a bunch of these philosophers kind of broke off i believe from there i hope i'm telling this right for any historians out there um <laughs> broke off from their kind of schools of thoughts and were like well maybe we can actually just create something that isn't really any one school of thought but it's like pulling bits from here and bits from there and like making this kind of ever-changing school of thought based on all the other stuff that's out there and i think it's in that rub of like things that don't normally get paired with each other like the middle of the venn diagram that's where cool shit happens yeah. um creatively or that's where like innovation or connection with people happens and um so uh, yeah keep so yeah beginner's mind uh and eclecticism keep keep <laughs> i love i love the idea that you're like i think i've come up with this idea and then you like jumped on google and it was like actually the ancient greeks yeah. <laughs> you're like oh well, god damn well i did put eclectivism originally i was like <laughs> yeah. i put eclectivism and it said did you mean eclecticism and i was like i didn't but i also did <laughs> <laughs> nice Finally, I asked Sam about how it's been living outside of his comfort zone and if he absolutely had to, which creative pursuit he would choose over all others. I like I liked what you said about the fact you said that your um, your comfort zone had gotten like a proper beating, oh, which just God, made yeah. me laugh. I like I love that. It's massively. So. I I'm definitely always trying to be transparent as possible and I certainly would never go out there being like, I, I don't get me wrong. I believe in channel 12 more than I've believed in anything in, in my life. And, and the process of creative quests, I think it genuinely has transformational capabilities if you, if you let it be so. Um, but I'm also like, yeah, I try and, I don't know, keep myself kind of grounded with it and I, I i find a lot of empowerment when other people are honest about when they're scared about doing big things and because it just makes you realize that we're all we're all the same really you know even the big you know leaders of this world i'm sure they still get nervous before the odd zoom meeting <laughs> <laughs> um and and i yeah i was really out of my comfort zone because i I didn't know. I, truth is, I had no idea until last month happened with Poetry Quest. I didn't know if it was going to work. I just had no idea. I thought, have I spent, I could have well spent the last four years dreaming up this idea and, the, and trying to imprint an experience I had on other people. And that was my biggest, biggest fear is like, what if... The, all of these epiphanies and these like revelations you've had and these conclusions you've come to, what if they're just your own? Mm. And actually it's not really that way for other people. And 
I'm not. So yeah, last month it actually, it actually working and actually like seeing people in the club, yourself and all the others, like actually having a really good time. <laughs> <laughs> I was just honestly like the most moving, like just joyous, wonderful thing that I've ever, I've ever done. But I guess, you know, through all of this, I'm kind of really on my own quest yeah. <laughs> that's you know that i'm kind of on my own quest to become somebody that's comfortable with facilitating these journeys for other people yeah. um you know i'm it's this is not a finished course the the sessions that we're doing are kind of getting they're a mixture of being planned in advance and also kind of improvising and adapting with how the quest is evolving because yeah, I want it. I want the sessions to reflect where the group is at. It's not like I'm at the beginning of the month being like week one's this, week two's this, week three's this, week four's that. It's the part of the challenge for me as a creative person at the moment is like adapting the session to what I feel like the club, what what it needs at that point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm. I'm working, I'm working all that <laughs> stuff out as I go. That's amazing. Can I, can I do? Can I give you a horrible question and see? <laughs> just give me like one, one. Oh one. yeah, okay. Please. If you, with all these things that you've explored, and all these different ways that you express express yourself creatively, I'm not going to say that you have to pick one for the rest of your life because that would be mean. But if you had to do one, if you had to express yourself creatively in one way for like the next ten years, which which one would you pick? Oh God. And, and it, and this is just as a sort of like, just as like a spare time thing, or am I doing this like as a profession day in, day out? It's the, it's the only way you can express yourself creatively. It's the only okay. way you can turn the tap on to let some of the water out. <laughs> nice. I would. Oh, this is, this is so boring because it's, because it's where I've, because it's where I guess I started, but. I think it would still be songwriting, you know? Yeah. I think it would still be that. Uh, I I always, like, whenever I come back to it, like, I sort of go through phases now where I'll, you know, I'll, I'll write songs for a few months and, and then not, and then a few months on again. But I am never more fulfilled creatively and, like, have the feeling of, like, exhale more than when... I finished writing a song. I think there's something just about the sort of the balance of like the feeling of melody and actually unpacking something in in a yeah in a musical way. You know, I guess there's this kind of poetry in there too, and yeah, it's probably the most like visceral way that I've ever sort of express myself so god a bit of a boring answer but i think it would be it's that boring but answer. if it was <laughs> if answer. it wasn't that yeah I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna, if it wasn't that and maybe i'm just saying this because i'm high on endorphins after just doing a mental dance class but i think i could be a dancer for 10 years yeah <laughs> <laughs> not a very good one but i think i could do it yeah yeah amazing Oh yes, Samuel, thank you so much for coming on Storyteller. And oh, yeah, thanks I'm so excited me. to see just where you go. It's just gonna be I'm I'm excited I'm I'm along for the for the journey. 
honestly, I'm yeah, so so thankful that you've been part of the first first club. It's been absolute pleasure having you. Thanks. Thanks again to Sam for this lovely conversation. I'm now into month two of the Creative Quests. The theme this month is movement, and I just spent a very happy Tuesday evening bouncing a balloon around <laughs> and pretending to be an animal, and it was fantastic. I loved it. Uh, for anyone interested in learning more about Channel 12 and about Sam, the links to the website and the social media channels are all in the show notes, and I'd highly recommend signing up to the newsletter so you can find out about any new quests that come up, if it's something that you're interested in doing. So for reflections this week, I just wanted to mean give you a bit of a personal reflection of what it was like for me to be a part of um, the creative quests. You know... I was kind of surprised by this 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 wonderful little crew that kind of came together. So as many of you know, who are close to me, <laughs> as a lot of you know, I this is a time in my life that's been very displaced. Um, I'm not settled. I don't really have a home at the moment. Work, how I do work has been completely interrupted. I can't do what I love by going out and shooting and telling stories and talking to people out in the field. And, you know... I mean, people have gone through worse in lockdown, so, you know, it's really okay. Um, But joining this little group, I suddenly was sort of prompted to see the world through poetry. And I just wanted to tell you about an experience that I had just to kind of show where this creative exploration can take you. Um, So, you know, uh, I'm in Scotland at the moment and we are, you know, trying to find somewhere to live. That's quite hard to do when you are <laughs> um, during lockdown. But, you know, we're just trying to, we have to take everything very slowly. We got, got locked down up here and we just need to wait it out, right? Um, but, you know, that doesn't stop me from having my bad days. And I was sort of tromping through the snow in Scotland. Um, and I just was feeling really defeated and tired by this sort of endless uncertainty. And in the group and maybe on, on the chat that we had, we'd been discussing um, how poetry is this kind of link to human experiences from the past coming through to the present. So how you could read a poem that someone wrote 400 years ago and have this feeling of like, oh my goodness, I know how that feels. So what I had said at the beginning of the quest when we were asked to reflect on what poetry meant for us, I sort of was like, Ugh, you know, I grew up, you know, in South Africa, it's like so hot and it's so sunny and but because of colonialism, sorry, guys, but because of colonialism, you know, we we had a very British um, schooling system and we had to read a lot of British poetry. And quite a lot of that, I just, it's like it had a lot to do with nature and like the seasons and the snow and the this and that. And I just, it didn't mean anything to me because it wasn't the world that I saw. Um, And you know, especially like the obsession about spring. I always just used to love that, like really, really excited to see the sun. And you've got to imagine this is the harsh South African sun beating down on you and you're just like, what? Um, But then here I am, tromping through the Scottish snow, coming up on nearly a year of lockdown, you know, starting the new year after just this darkness and coldness of winter. There's so much isolation. There's a level of loneliness. And I just started to, I just started to get it. Um... And I was like, I get it now. This this darkness, this wintering, this this um, seclusion. It's not even related to lockdown. It's just a part of the seasons. And while I'm walking along, I saw this bush that was like covered in snow. But at the end of every, I don't know what the proper word is now, but like at the end of every branch, there was this fully formed bud just waiting there. 
and I'm not gonna lie, it made me cry a little bit. <laughs> um, I had a little, I had a little gentle cry in the bushes, <laughs> in the bushes, um, but it just felt so painfully hopeful. And the way that I was feeling at the moment was that it was too early. It was too cold. I was like, the frost is going to destroy this tree. It's going to steal its flowers from it. This is a silly, naive bush, you know. Um, but then also, then it did make me realize that it was there, that this, that nature kind of knew what to do. And it was ready and waiting. Um, so in that moment, I think for the first time, I realized that spring was going to come. That it was cold and it was dark, but it wasn't going to last forever. And that's the power of poetry. So before I read us out with a poem, um, as normal, please send me any thoughts and questions you have at storytellerpod at gmail.com. And on social media, just search Storyteller Podcast and my name, Lisa Golden, to find me on Instagram and Twitter. And yeah, so to end out, I wanted to read a poem that William Seagott, who is the, the wonderful man who wrote a book called The Poetry Pharmacy. Um, just Google it. So William Seagott, The Poetry Pharmacy. It's a wonderful concept. He prescribes poems for all the feelings that people have. And this is the prescription from loneliness. It's from the Persian... It's from um, a Persian poet called Hafez. And it's... Yeah, so this is what he prescribes for loneliness. I wish I could show you when you're lonely or in darkness, the astonishing light of your own being. Thank you everyone for your time as always, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>